Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast. I'm Katie Mulligan, Editor-in-Chief of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. I'm joined by phone today by Mark Heimbach, the President and Chief Operating Officer of WorldPay. Mark, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here, Katie. To start, can you give an overview of WorldPay and its offerings to customers? Sure. Uh, WorldPay, if you're not familiar with the company, is one of the largest payments technology companies in the world. We principally focus on providing a, a variety of service payments, principally around card acceptance and other forms of payment at the point of sale for the merchant, as well as online in the digital world. Hmm. We have a very large growing list of merchants, both small and large, ranging from retail, restaurant, healthcare, a variety of different verticals, both in the United States as well as Europe. And as important, we serve a number of very large, notable clients globally in terms of global e-commerce. Hmm. Company has grown significantly, um, both through organic growth. As we're all aware, payments continues to change and evolve as we all use our, our credit card or other forms of payment more and more frequently as compared to cash and check. And so our, our goal is to really work with our merchants and, and other clients in terms of making acceptance of um, transactions, both at the point of sale and in the online world, as easy and as convenient for our clients as possible and in a safe and secure way. And can you talk a little bit about your role as president and COO? Yeah, so I've been with the company for just over nine years. And today I'm responsible for all of the technology um, groups in the company as well as all the operations groups. So dealing with customer service, back office. In addition to that, the global security group as well as M&A and strategy. And last year the company underwent a large merger when WorldPay, based in the UK, joined with Vantiv, an Ohio-based company, in one of the biggest deals in the payment processing sector. Can you talk about what's driving consolidation in this space? Yeah, you're right, we did. Um, You know, we did one of the largest payments transactions really over the last several years. And you know, I think consolidation is, there's nothing new, right? You see different industries and certainly in payments there's been some consolidation. I think consolidation takes on different types of attributes or features though. So in many cases, you have competitors that come together um, and, and, and cost synergies, and you know, there's a huge focus on synergies, and you know, the sum of the, the of the two companies together being greater than one plus one. I, I think this transaction was actually pretty unique in a couple of ways, though. Vantiv had really grown to become close to being the largest processor in the United States, but we were pretty landlocked in terms of focusing just in the United States. WorldPay, on the other hand, kind of had a, had a similar um, upbringing with a focus in the UK but they also had a very large presence in global e-com. And so there were pretty significant complements in terms of bringing the companies together. So it, it increased the breadth of offerings that we have. It significantly increased our reach, making us a global player as compared to being principally domiciled and focused on the U.S. market. Mm-hmm. Certainly we have businesses that are like, um, for the most part, in the United States. So, you know, there's a path towards bringing those companies together and driving significant synergies, but the complements are just as great as the synergy effect in terms of now we have a platform and we have a service offering to be the leader in global e-commerce, serving a variety of both very well-known large e-com clients as well as the new kind of commerce to to e-commerce. So I think consolidation continues to occur in a variety of industries of which 
payment is probably no different, but our focus alone wasn't just to consolidate for the sake of saving money. It's now been about a year since the deal closed, I believe, and, and looking back on it, what were some of the biggest challenges? That's a good question. Any acquisition and certainly integration is complicated. You know, you kind of start out in the early days in terms of thinking about the plans. It was kind of an interesting transaction for us. We spent a significant amount of time thinking through the integration efforts, in fact, before the closing of the transaction. Hmm. So it it was pretty important in terms of putting governance around that, um, putting dedicated teams around an, an integration management office, we very very quickly moved to on day one in terms of defining who the senior leaders were in the organization so people knew who they were going to report to in the new combined org structure. And the last thing I would say was critical, we set targets. Hmm. So before we really went to work on the integration, we had clear targets in terms of expected outcomes. And so that kind of gave people a roadmap to deliver on. And so that was kind of day one. I would say looking back over the last year, what's really gone well Two companies have come together. I think it's it's actually pretty impressive. You go through this period of change at the front end where there's so much commotion, it almost seems like it's impossible to keep track of everything that's going on and absorbing everything. After a few months go by, though, people kind of start to settle in in terms of the new company, their jobs, they start working together, and, you know, it doesn't seem as complicated. So a lot occurs in the first 12 months. I'd go back to without that clear target setting without the governance around delivering on that, you'd still be probably guessing on how to get there. But it's hard work. It's complicated. The last thing I would say is move as as fast as you can. You know, a transaction or any significant amount of change to me is you need to take advantage of it because time, time moves forward. Business goes back to normal. In fact, you want that to occur as fast as possible. So drive that change, get going as soon as you can so you can get back to business as usual, as, as, as fast as you can. There's, there's been a lot of good things. Clients clients like the coming together of the two companies. We have a very robust offering, uh, particularly as the market is moving to digital and e-commerce. So we're, we're winning there. And we're delivering on the promise to shareholders in terms of driving value through synergies. So mm-hmm. one year, um, doing great. We're now starting the second year. There's more to do. But so far, so good. Were there any unique cultural integration challenges that stemmed from the cross-border nature of this deal? Absolutely. But I I don't think that it's just cross-border. People out of the gates always want to go to, well, lots of of similarities. That's true, right? Companies have, many companies have strong attributes in terms of ethics and integrity. But I've never seen two companies that are exactly alike. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of it's not it's just not a good expectation i think if you expect cultures to be similar so out out of the gates lots of lots of similarities in terms of values and expectations but ways of working just quite a bit different so how decisions get made who who were the decision making sets worldpay for the most part was kind of a hybrid sbu or business unit type of organization whereas vantive was highly functional functional being across the entire business Another important decision, I think, that came from Charles Druck, our CEO, was early on we, we determined that we were going to move to the functional model. So with that, more change, but it was clear for people in terms of that's the direction we're going. And I, I think it took, you know, it's taken six, seven months, but after that point in time when you've had the opportunity to set face-to-face, 
work together. It's, it really comes down to how decisions are made and ways of working. If you can cut through that sooner and get to kind of a common platform for how the organization is expected to work, I think you can move more quickly. But I, I think that's one of the things that we've done a good job on. We're by no means done, and we need to continue to improve on it. But I think it has a big impact in terms of organizational change. And from the past acquisitions that you've done, had had you sort of created a blueprint based on that experience to know how to approach a deal like this and to tackle some of those decisions up front and, and be thinking about those integration pieces early on? Yeah, I think, I think you learn from each one. You know, we've done a number of transactions since um, the company was separated from Fifth Third Bank in 2009. And I think you learn a little bit more each time. Um, and... One is, you know, it's important to retain um, key leadership and key talent in each of the deals. I would say the one thing, though, that we've benefited from is move more quickly. Early on, you kind of take a, a, you know, you make the determination in terms of what the assets and, and attributes are of the companies. But in our business, scale does matter. So move more quickly to bring the companies together and drive that scale. Hmm. Um, and I think over time, we've picked up the pace of those actions, and I think and the, the WorldPay transaction is a great example. You know, we are migrating clients from the different platforms and technologies literally as we speak and in the United States as well as the U.K. And I think moving faster so you can get back to business as soon as possible is really important. The other thing is it really adds to one's agility. So the faster you move on those initiatives and complete those initiatives, the quicker you can get back to business as usual, usual, and you actually create significantly more agility um, in the company's long-term path versus if you're going to continue to deal with different ways of working and different platforms and different technologies, you have to support those over time. You know, they eventually potentially become end of life. Um, it, it just makes um, makes a company much stronger in terms of scale and flexibility in terms of cutting cutting to the chase and, and getting it done sooner. Hmm. And it seems like WorldPay is really evolving beyond just being a, a payment processing organization and, and really becoming more of a technology company in a lot of ways. Can you talk about how the organization is changing and the role that M&A plays in that transformation? I mean, M&A has always played a role. I think that, you know, you think about the growth of, of industries and certainly companies, we've had a very strong history of organic growth. I think we've even had a, a strong history in terms of acquiring companies that have diversified our business, whether it's moving us into new segments or into new ways of processing payments and and driving scale and leverage to enhance the, the customer experience and drive value. I mean, I think that's been a big benefit of the, of the company over the last few years. So continued focus on the right acquisitions that are gonna be complementary to our, our business versus just, con- you know, versus consolidation just for the sake of consolidation. We've done a lot in terms of diversification in terms of the types of clients we serve from small to large um, to online to point of sale. And some of that has come through acquisition. And a year out from the Vantive WorldPay merger, what does the company's M&A strategy look like for 2019? Is, is the pace expected to slow a little bit as you continue the integration or are you still looking for new opportunities? I mean, you always have to be on the on the watch for interesting stuff. Um, but that being said, we also need to complete the integration. So a lot has been done in 2018. Um, we'll complete most of it in 2019. And I, I'd say we, you know, M and A plays the same role it has historically 
you know, in terms of driving growth and driving value to our shareholders, uh, what we continue to look at M&A, continue to look at that being value creation M&A, and again, not just consolidation. So we're spending time thinking about the landscape. As you, as you get bigger and as the, as the landscape changes, you need to think about are you moving, are you leaning forward um, in terms of new technologies and new capabilities, or are you just trying to drive cost savings? And for us, it's a little bit, a little bit of both, but new technologies and leaning forward do matter in this day and age. And when you're exploring an acquisition, how do you evaluate a target's cybersecurity and data privacy practices? I imagine that those are critical in any industry, but especially for, for yours, I would think. Yeah, it's a big deal. So we, we spent a lot of time, and, and actually probably one of our biggest areas of increase in investment has been security and cyber, generally speaking. Hmm. So we, you know, in, in the case of an acquisition, it plays a pretty significant influence in whether or not we'll actually do the transaction. So you certainly need to pay attention to the tone at the top, the governance structure, and how policy is implemented in the company as well as the technology is implemented. And so I think you're making a you know a judgment based upon that review. And then we, we will actually do scans of the security environment to test for vulnerabilities. And you know, it, it can be a reason to do a deal or to not do a deal. Hmm. And we have certainly walked away um, from smaller transactions that we didn't think met our requirements in terms of a security perspective. So it might have been very attractive from a, a technology or solution perspective, but if we can't get there from a security perspective, it, it's, a, it's a problem for us in terms of moving forward meaning less likely that we could actually be comfortable um, executing on a transaction. I read a couple months ago that WorldPay announced a partnership to process gaming and sports betting transactions. Can you talk about that market and how it's unique and, and what this the size of that opportunity looks like? Yeah, if you, if, if you think about our, our growth strategy, it, it's not only doing a really good job in terms of growing above market in the segments and verticals that we're already we already have a strong presence in, it's leaning forward in terms of new opportunity. And as you're probably aware, gaming, particularly in the United States with a lot of regulatory change, you know, represents a significant opportunity in terms of, of growth. So as people um, potentially are able to participate in an industry in an online way and even in a brick and mortar way, there's significant growth in the industry. And I think many would say that, you know, that, that market opportunity in terms of the amount of um, of spending or wagering, you know, it could be over $100 billion of, of volume, hmm. not necessarily revenue for the industry, but in that industry in terms of of processing for the industry. So we, we need to be in those areas of high growth. Um, and so gaming, much like global e-com, right, those would be areas in terms of potentially higher growth. And certainly they're probably, you know, a little bit longer tail in terms of adoption um, given the regulatory environment, but I think it would be uh, a good area in terms of growth, particularly in the United States as well as globally. Hmm. And that's a good point on the U.S. It's a new industry for us here in terms of legalization, but in Europe it's a different environment. Did WorldPay, you know, having been based in the U.K., have expertise or resources in that area that, that now you can apply to the U.S. market? Yeah, it did. I have a strong presence in legalized gaming outside of the United States and 
Vantiv prior to that actually was one of the leaders in terms of participating in this space, both at the at the local and state lottery vertical as well as as legalized online gaming. Hmm. So we've been um, very active in terms of understanding the space and working with partners. So we're, we're very focused in terms of participating as that market continues to emerge. And what are the major innovations happening in, in payment processing that you expect will impact the industry most? You know, I think you have to pay a lot of attention to digital. So think about it. You know, several years ago, you were very accustomed to whether you were ordering food or buying retail or going grocery shopping or going to the drugstore in terms of face-to-face interaction and swiping your credit card or today inserting it in an EMV environment. I think what you see occurring more and more frequently is you still might have face-to-face interaction, but the experience of actually paying is actually moving much more quickly. And whether it's on the phone or in a wallet or in other types of environments that you're not swiping the card anymore, but it still might be a card transaction, there's actually more opportunity to interact. And in some, in many cases where you might have paid for something by pulling a $5 bill out of your wallet and paying for it in cash, today you might actually use a device and pay for it electronically. So there's a lot certainly that's gone on in the digital world and all the industries we just talked about, right? Whether it's restaurant, whether it's retail, certainly we talked about um, gaming, the global e-com as well. People are, are interacting more and more, whether they're online or in the traditional store, there's more and more purchasing capability and other things that go with it in terms of loyalty and other solutions, in terms of interacting versus standing in a line I'm going through a checkout experience that might might not be as uh, as fun as it is using your device to pay for something. So there's, there's a lot going on, I think, in terms of transformation in that space. Yep, it'll definitely be an exciting space to continue to watch. Mark, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help listeners find out about us. After you've rated the podcast, head over to our website, middlemarketgrowth.org, for more stories about successful mid-sized companies and middle market M&A.